A quick introduction for those of you who haven't listened to the podcast before. I'm Daniel, and each week I bring you a conversation with someone who I think is inspirational or brings something inspiring to the podcast. It's about things that change or could change our lives, and that's why I called it Life Changes You. Listen to the range of topics around psychology, mental health, and inspiration, and find out how life changes you. Hello and welcome to another podcast. This is a co-presentation with me, Daniel, from Life Changes You and... I'm Jamie, the Mind Trading. And we're going to be talking today about the stigma behind, I guess, mental health and mental illness and, and, and that kind of stuff. So, Jamie, what do you reckon is the biggest stumbling block we've got in society around mental health and why people still stigmatise it? I would say the starting point would be that people just don't really understand what it is. They don't necessarily understand particularly the difference between mental illness and a decline in mental health. And I I looked it up not long ago and looking at the World Health Organization's definition of, say, good mental health, it's like, I guess, having good belief about yourself and the future and and, and that kind of stuff, having having a good communication and, I guess, having a good general feeling about, you know, day to day. Like there's going to be ups and downs. Yeah. And obviously there's the decline in mental health, which is just consistently across two weeks. Yep. And then that's when we start looking into more of the aid of some kind of professional. Yep. But other than that, if you've just got ups and downs, that's okay. But if you begin to not be able to see a way out of this kind of stuff, that's when you've really got a decline in mental health where, yeah, I would seek support, whether it's the level of just speaking to a friend, speaking to a professional, going to your local doctor, and and then beginning from there. Now, mental illness... I think there's a misconception there about mental health and mental illness. So what I found was that mental illness is when you are generally diagnosed with something. Yeah. So whether it's diagnosed with some kind of depressive disorder, diagnosed with a uh, higher level kind of uh, yep. mental illnesses, or it could just be general anxiety disorder, social anxiety disorder, those kind of things. But mental health is something I think that we have more control over. We have far more control over to notice decreases in mental health and we can do things about it. There would also be things that we can do about mental illnesses, but they're two separate things. Well, what I find with mental illness is I still think we are stuck in the stereotypical way of looking at mental illness. Mm. And that is when you watch something around um, a serial killer, Mm. nine times out of ten in a TV show, you'll see that the serial killer had some type of mental illness, like Mm. they had schizophrenia or they had... Uh, bipolar. Mm. And I think by moving away from that, we destigmatize it because in reality, mental illness is so far away from that. Mm. Someone with schizophrenia, you might have one in a uh, hundred thousand people yeah. that might need extra mm. help. The other 99,000 are fine living in the community, no problems at all, getting on with life. Yeah, that's very and, true. And the stigma around that is that as we grow up, then it's passed down. Oh, that person's got a mental illness, you know, keep away from them. Or you might see someone who's struggling on the street and it might be someone who's homeless, mm. but then we go, oh, well, do they have a mental illness? Is that what's wrong with them? And, and we're always comparing things and stigmatising when we don't actually know. So I guess we're putting our judgments on someone we see when we don't actually know the background information of that. Mm. Take, for an example, there was a homeless man interviewed on SBS a few weeks ago 
and he'd had a breakdown from his high corporate job that he had and was finding it really hard. He lost his house, he lost his wife, she left him um, and he was living on the streets. Well, he didn't have a mental illness when he was on the streets. He just needed a break from everything. Mm. But then we're also not looking after those people who are giving up these things to try and cope and manage and get back into society. Mm. Yeah, that's very true. I think also um, when it comes down to say particularly for men, there seems to be a huge stigma. stigma. Yeah, and uh, this stigma that the people talk about around that is something that maybe I might I can witness, but I've never actually experienced. I'm not exactly sure why that might be, but I'm so open about talking to people. I see a psychologist still. Yep, and I will maybe for the rest of my life on and off. Like sometimes I'll need to see someone for maybe six to ten sessions uh, once a year. Maybe it might be not for five years or something like that. Just to, like it doesn't really matter. Like I'm so open to talk about it and not really care what people think. Mate, I realise that I drop it in conversations when I think about it later. I'm like, I just spoke to people about seeing a psychologist and they hide that kind of stuff. But I just I don't really mind because it's like I just so I see it as something so free as much as like. The same way we would see a, a personal trainer in the gym. Like, what's the difference? Why would I have any stigma about speaking to someone about things that are going to improve my life? Exactly. That baffles me. Yeah. Like, I'd, I can get it. But I'm like, if someone is going out of their way to be happier and then ultimately, like, you know, put out a better energy, and how are we not applauding that no matter how that is done? Like, I just don't understand that. But, well, you know, we're stuck somewhere in this society still. But it's getting better. I don't really experience the stigma. I see it. Yep. I don't care what someone says. As we chatted about on the live the other day in regards to mindset, one of the factors of mindset, a good mindset, is sometimes seeking professional help or seeking help when you need it. It doesn't matter if it's a friend or whatever it is. Reaching out, messaging someone or seeking support from a doctor to get a mental health care plan, whatever it may be. Like, it's I'm going to do whatever I need to do. But maybe I'm fortunate that way. What I would like to see is those people you're talking to about it going, hey, look how strong Jamie is. He's gone and got some yeah. some help. You know, he, he's struggling with a few things. He's gone and spoken to someone. Whereas you might get people going, oh, why is he going to see a, a shrink? You know, what's wrong with him? A lot of men still have a real trouble trying to, I guess, even work out what emotions they're feeling and why they're feeling them. Mm. I mean, if we look back at when COVID happened, uh, divorce rates went through the roof, separation of people just living together went through the roof, domestic violence went through the roof, uh, pedophilia went through the roof. Mm. There was these opportune times, I guess, where people were either taking the opportunity to do these things or they were struggling so badly. Mm. And how do we change that, that make it that it's okay for men to go and, I don't know, join an anger group or, you know, I know there is a lot of those out there, mm. but it's still finding a way to encourage those people to go, hey, come and see this or come and do this, come and talk in a group where there's other men, mm. have sessions on your own. Mm. We really need to change it around for men because they're, they're not open enough to come forward. I mean, you're fortunate enough to you are open enough. I always talk about mental health on my lives, on my podcast, and I'm a great encourager of anyone seeking assistance. Mm. I, I think on the other hand as well, when you were saying uh, you could speak to family about some of these issues, I guess it depends what type of family you've got. Totally. Because you could have a family where the parents are just like, oh, what do you need to go and see a shrink for? Or what's wrong with you? Why, why are you behaving yeah. like this? Yeah. And when I say family, that doesn't count me in because my family just aren't like me. But some people have a really close relationship with family, and they could. 
Some people have really close relationship with friends and they could. Some people might have people to talk to. Some people might not. The beauty about seeking support is you don't have to tell anyone if you don't want to. The only person you would really need to tell about it is as a, like a baseline is maybe your doctor. Yep. And then you can get a mental health care plan and get, say, six to ten sessions with a professional, whether it's counsellor, psychologist or whatever. Or you can reach out to a coach or whatever it is. But some people, yeah, are fortunate. They can just speak to people. But some people aren't. And I, as I said, I put myself in that category of what I wasn't. I'm not going to speak to family about it. I do now, but not when I was originally seeking support back in the day, when it was 2009. I didn't go to my mum or dad and go, I, I need to speak to someone, give me some advice. And like One of the reasons that I needed to speak to someone had to do with my family. Yeah. Also, as you were talking before, I was thinking, is it stigma really then is what's stopping people or is it the belief that the support they can get is actually worth it? You know, maybe there's that question, but people that just don't know much about mental health or improvement mental health, maybe they don't really think that there is benefits from speaking to someone or unpacking these things or whatever. They might be going like, well, what's the point? So maybe they don't have the stigma. You know, maybe there is that as well, but maybe they're like, well, why would I seek support? I'm not going to get anything out of it. So that's the other thing. I'm really fortunate that I've I've seen benefits, the personal benefits and all that kind of stuff. And so, like, I'm open to talk about it and open to keep doing it. But if someone hasn't really seen that before, why would they do that? And look, it might be that people seeking uh, support might be thinking, well, if I see a psychologist or a counsellor, it's really only if I've got anxiety, depression or a real mental mm. illness. Uh, whereas a counsellor psychologist can help you with setting goals, mm. building your self-confidence, yeah. um, making you feel better about your life. There's so many things that you can see these people for. Mm. It's not just if you have a mental health issue or if you have a mental illness. Mm. They can help you prepare your life. Same with life coaches, you know. Mm. Sometimes it, all it takes is someone to sit down with you for an hour and go, okay, look, these are the things you want to do. Let's work on these three today, these three next week. And before you know it, you've actually got some structure in your life, which mm. you never realised you needed yeah. because you were just sitting there on the couch going, what am I going to do? I want to do all these things, but when am I going to do them? Mm. You go and see someone and within a week you're like, okay, well, I've got to do that two days a week and that one day. Mm. And you've got that structure that can help you move those things forward. Mm. Along those lines, it's like you don't have to see someone for deep childhood issues yeah. <laughs> like, you know, some people do and that's, you know, th th that's definitely beneficial for some people. But, yeah, might, sometimes just bringing some organisation to your life. It, it doesn't have to be that real deep stuff. Getting on that more surface level stuff, it doesn't have to be totally deep. The other thing where I'd felt control in my life, so one of the things I can attempt to have control over or this, you know, when I started to seek help from people is I can't necessarily have always have control about the external circumstances, yep. but I can begin to have control about the way that I react to them. But I'm not necessarily just going to start controlling them just without help. Yep. You know, to get to that higher level, that high, higher levels of consciousness, you need to seek support in some way. It could be on listening to podcasts. It could be self-help books. Sometimes you need more help. It could be speaking to a friend, whether it's for a family member or professional. Yep. That's... That's why I like to do it because I truly believe that I can have control over the way that I feel. And I felt those benefits before. I'm not here to stuff around. I'm not here to be ex like just exist and not be happy. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to get the most out of myself and constantly, you know, throughout the years as I go on, get better at doing that. And sometimes I'll need to speak to someone. Sometimes I won't. But I'm here to get the most out of it that I can, get the most out of myself that I can. So I'm going to say that chances are we won't do that unless we kind of seek support in some way. Yeah. Stigma around people wanting to better their lives. I just don't understand it. 
I was looking at something yesterday about a diet and when people change, and the word diet is bad, but when they change the way they eat, people around them are like, oh, what are you doing that for? Are you on a diet? And it's like, no, they've just chosen to eat more healthy. Mm. But I think you can have the people around you putting you down to fail because they can see you're doing something and maybe they either feel they should be doing what you're doing mm. or they're like, oh, that's not going to work. Mm. You know, the amount of people out there who will put you down on something because they don't see the benefit in it. And it's not mm. a diet. It's just you've changed the way you're eating or you're mm. doing some walking or something. And they're like, well, what are you doing that for? Mm. Sometimes you're being put down for the things you're trying to change in a positive way because mm. maybe they're seeing that that's what they should be doing too. So they're projecting onto you what they do. Totally, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay, that's a really good point. So maybe some of the stigma can come out of the fact that people feel they should be seeking support or speaking to someone or making positive changes in their life and because they're too scared to as a way of kind of relieving some of that, I don't know, not so good feelings they feel about themselves, I'll push it on to, to others and go, oh, why are you doing that? <laughs> Somebody who's gone out of their way to stand up and say, I want to make improvements in my life, doesn't matter how it is, whether it's you know exercise, eating healthy or whatever, speaking to someone, if someone's actually stood up and said, I don't feel that good and I want to make changes, it should be applauded. Yeah. But but it's, it's not always. I guess if there is stigma that you were experiencing, I'd hate to think that would be impacting people in a way that, that it's stopping them from doing what they should be doing. Look, I, I would think there would be actually a lot of things that would stop them. It might be, say, a husband and wife team. The wife doesn't want to go to a psychologist because yeah. she has to then admit to her husband that she's struggling. Vice versa, the husband might want to go and because it comes in on their credit card statement that they've been to a psychologist. Mm. Back about uh, 10, 15 years ago, I did start working as a counsellor. Mm. And what I found was when I found the place, there was no signage outside. And I thought, oh, well, that's okay. Maybe they just don't want people to know that someone's coming in to see a counsellor. Mm. But after I had a couple of clients and they found it really hard to find the place, I said to the people that owned it, I said, why don't we have a sign out the front, counselling and psychology? And she said, oh, because we want to keep it discreet. And I go, well, why are we keeping it discreet for? The person's coming in. Oh, because someone might see them coming in and then say, why were you going to a psychologist? Mm. So we're still at that point where people are afraid to go into a building which might say psychology above the door mm. because one of their neighbours or friends might see them going in. Mm. And the only other place I could think of that doesn't usually have a sign out the front was a brothel, you know, because that's a place that's discreet. So if we're pairing those two the same, comparing them, that, you know, people don't want to see you go into a psychologist, they don't want to see you go into a brothel, you know, we're, we're in the dark ages. I know there is a lot more now out there with psychology at the front. Mm. When we were in COVID and you could only do online, a lot of people started doing online counselling. Mm. A lot of uh, participants started coming in and getting into it. Mm. Or if they've gone, oh, look, you know, and look, it's also the price. Even though you have the Medicare rebate, I think it pays $81 in Australia. So it pays $81 towards it. But you might be seeing a psychologist who costs $200. Mm. So you've still got to pay that extra nearly $120. And it depends where you live because you can live in, uh, I guess, lower socioeconomic areas and you can get all of it covered depending on where you, where you live, which but psychologists But then it's see. can you get in? Yeah, that's true, yeah. To get, get it get in, because yeah. the waiting lists since COVID have ballooned. Mm. Um, and there was a time when the Morrison government, who have now left, were saying that we should be training up people with a mental health certificate level four to then step in and help with the backlog of people who couldn't see a psychologist, mm. but totally skipped those people who had studied counselling. Like I studied three years in my counselling diploma and, uh, and bachelor, mm. and yet... 
uh, they were going to train new people up on a 12-month course, which weren't as qualified as what I was, and then give them a Medicare rebate. Oh, wow. And it just seemed bizarre that they could just step over the top of someone who's trained and qualified all those years and knew all the techniques and give them a quick rush-through certificate. I think now what's happening is I think the Victorian government have said that they will look into uh, using counsellors now in Victoria with a Medicare rebate. I think that's what I read. I can't remember 100%. -hmm. But that's good. That's a move forward. So those people Mm -hmm. who have trained, are registered with an association, can then jump in and take the backlog off the psychologists who, Mm -hmm. you know, can't, can't handle everything that's coming through. I'm obviously new to this kind of this game, being in the mental health field. I guess I've been working on my own personally for a long time, but actually being out there talking about it, social media podcasts and doing coaching, counselling and training to be a psychologist. Has there been an improvement in the stigma or are we still in the same place there? What do you reckon about that? You know, look, I would hope that stigma around mental health has changed in the last 10 to 15 years. Mm. I mean, it's only my opinion that I don't think it's really changed that much. Mm. I was speaking to someone on the podcast last season who said, oh, my God, I came across your podcast and I had to start listening because there's not many men doing mental health in podcasts. Mm. There's lots of women and there's lots of men who are doing like the life coaching, self-help stuff, but not talking mental health. Mm. And he was from America and then I had him on as a guest and he was really inspirational. And But I, I just thought, well, wow, yeah, actually I don't know a lot of guys who are talking about mental health. There mm. was you and that I found you and I started following you and listening to your stuff. Mm. But really, I don't think there's a lot of men out there and we need more men out there for men to come forward and feel as though it's okay. I guess if you're a man and you want to talk about anger issues, sexual issues, Mm. stuff like that, and you ring up to book a psychologist, I would say nine times out of ten, psychologists are female. Yeah, they are, for sure. So if you want to talk about anger issues, especially if you're someone who is in domestic violence Mm. or sexual problems, it might not be that you want to go and sit and talk to a woman about that. Mm. I had a friend probably 20 years ago, who said that he thought he had a sexual problem. He went to a psychologist and after 10 sessions, he still hadn't brought it up. And I said, well, the thing is, she's there to listen to you, whatever you want to talk about. Mm. It doesn't matter. She's not going to be shocked. Mm. And he's like, yeah, but I just didn't feel comfortable talking about what I do sexually with a woman. Mm. And I go, but that's what you have to do. And he goes, do you know a man? And I'm like, actually, I don't know a male psychologist. Mm. I know some male counsellors. But see, if a male counsellor doesn't get the Medicare rebate, which is for people overseas, it's a government subsidy that goes towards paying for your session. If you don't get that, a counsellor charges 130 bucks, and people go, oh, I haven't got 130 bucks to spend. Mm. You know, so there was a lot of counsellors when I finished my diploma who were out there charging 50, 60 bucks a, an hour. Mm. And yet they've studied for three years or six years. Um, they're fully qualified and they're paying for a rental of a room. They're paying for their insurances, their ongoing study. And yet they're making like 20 bucks an hour. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. There's clearly, I think it's in the age range of 25 to 44 is for men particularly like suicide is the highest rate of death what would you reckon might be one of the things that hold them back not just stigma i don't think truly stigma is the only thing i think there's a vulnerability that men struggle with and maybe it's that vulnerability that scares them because they don't feel strong often when maybe you're talking about um, particularly childhood stuff and this is something i experienced but luckily i was open to it 
chances are you're going to feel like a child when you were speaking about that. Definitely. Yeah, and so that can be scary. Look, I think it goes back to it's a sign of weakness. Yeah. And I think we spoke about this on our live that the first two to three sessions that you see a psychologist or a psychiatrist, Mm. you really don't tell them the real things that you're worried about. You talk about some things that are quite bad in your life, but you don't get to the real crux of the matter. Mm. And some people never actually do get to that point because they never actually feel that comfortable Mm. opening up to someone and telling them whatever their issue is. Mm. And this is the other thing we we need to work on breaking down is that it's okay to go to a counsellor, sit down, open up, be vulnerable and tell them what's going on because the only way they can ever help you is if you let them know everything that's going Mm. on. Mm. The, The bits you hide away... That's good. If you want to hide them away, that's good. But don't expect a great service. And Mm. then when you leave and you go, well, they were rubbish. Mm. Were they rubbish or were they rubbish because you didn't want to talk about that part of you Mm. that actually made you want to go and see them in the first place? Yeah, that's very true. I think there's like 5% that we keep just about ourselves that we never talk to anyone about. There's 25% that we share with family and friends, and then there's the stuff everybody knows. Well, that 5%, yeah, there might be 2% in there you don't want to talk to anyone about, Mm. but the other 3% is that stuff that's happening to you that you need help with. Mm. And until you're vulnerable enough and open enough to discuss that, Mm. you're never going to get through what you need to get through because you're holding on to, well, I don't really think I can talk about this. Mm. We need to let people know that when you go and see someone, it's okay to just let it all out. It's about opening up as much as you can and letting them know as much as you can and taking on new ideas Mm. that can then help you work through these things that are holding you back. Mm. Like we were saying before, there's not a lot of male psychologists. So Mm. once you're out there and you start going, (laughs) you you will probably be having people banging down your door. Um, I, I work with anybody. I currently work with teenagers, doesn't matter male or female, in my full-time job as working in school as a school counsellor. But when it comes to, say, doing coaching, counselling outside of that, um, I would work with anyone. I, yeah. One of my first clients is a is a person over the in their fifties uh, who's a female. Yeah, I'm like, oh wow, this is really cool. Yeah. Um, but also when it comes to say podcast listeners, split fifty fifty right down the middle. Instagram audience, split fifty fifty down the middle. I love that. If you want to make improvements to your life, if you've got a brain, <laughs> that's what I like connecting with people on those levels. Like, yeah, there is slight differences in the way that we do things, the way we need to talk about things and that kind of stuff. But I'm more about, uh, I guess, that on that spiritual level kind of thing. You're, you're here and the way you're experiencing, it doesn't really matter what you're male or female or whatever. You want to experience things better on a higher level. I like working with, with people of that kind of stuff. We've grown an acceptance that particularly going to the gym, you're going to, say, lift weights, for yep. example, if you are, or you go on a run, and it hurts. In order for you to grow a muscle, you have to tear the muscle. Yeah. You have to feel pain. And I guess the more that you do that, whether it means you're going to lift heavier weights or you're going to lift like a weight more consistently and make it hurt that way, there's going to be pain involved. Yep. And we've grown an acceptance of that. So maybe over time we can grow an acceptance more so that there's going to be pain involved with improving our mental health. And we can just get used to that over time. So this is the thing. So I know there's going to be pain. You know what, though? Like, through that pain, there's something that comes through it. A hard time that I'm going through, I can guarantee you, guarantee you, I know it's for a reason. Yep. Things don't happen to me like that for nothing. No. And I guess the more that we can become accepting of that kind of stuff, I actually personally think it makes things a little bit easier to handle. Not that there's suddenly like the the hard times are taken away, but when you can grab an acceptance of for the hard time and the pain that's associated with that learning, it makes more sense anyway. 
Yeah. That's what I think. And I think there's a lot of misconception around that kind of stuff. So if you can grow an acceptance that you're going to tear your body apart by going to the gym and lifting weights or whatever you're doing, a real tough job or, you know, whatever it may be, why is there not an acceptance about doing similar kind of pain when it's got to do with improving our mental health or improving our life in some way. There needs to be a perception change around that kind of stuff. And I feel fortunate that I've had access to that kind of stuff because if I didn't, I wouldn't be where I am at today. No. There's no way I would be. I don't know what people need to do about that, but I think maybe at least an awareness that things are going to hurt. But that pain doesn't have to stop you. When you're experiencing pain, that might mean you're on the right track. Yeah. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but it's like it's all part of the journey. Well, I think I said to you in last live we did that um, my cousin had just lost his mum. This is a few years back. Mm. And it took him a few weeks to actually go and see a counsellor. Um, and he had all those things like, oh, I don't need to see them. I can get through this. And But then he realised he was bottling up all the emotion because yep. he didn't want to be upset in front of his wife and kids because that would upset them. And he said that when he went and saw the counsellor, for the first 10 minutes, it was like, yeah, it was okay. And then all of a sudden, talking to the counsellor, it started to let him unfold why he was so upset, obviously losing his mum, but other things that had happened in his life. And he said, I spent pretty much the rest of that hour crying my eyes out. He Mm. said, and then I went home, I slept for a few hours, and the counsellor said, look, that's probably what's going to happen because you're letting go of all this emotion you've been holding on to. And he said, I kept going to those sessions, coming home, crying. He said, and in the end, I I was able to accept what had happened to my mum and the other things that had happened in my life. Mm. He said, but I realised that if I hadn't gone and seen that counsellor, I would have held on to those and maybe got sick, physical Mm. illness, mental illness, because the more you hold on to, and you think that you're coping with, but you're actually not, the worse it's going to be for you in all ways, physically and mentally and emotionally. Mm. Because if if we hold all that in, it's got to go somewhere. Mm. It can't just sit there. So Mm. it manifests itself in physical injury, Mm. mental health issues and emotional issues. And maybe you can't communicate properly with your partner or other people because you're like, oh, my mum died and I haven't dealt with this. And, Mm. you know. Well, that is an interesting point that you're bringing up because it's something I've been thinking about recently. I didn't want to put people off by saying it the wrong way, but maybe I'll try to express it in the only way I know how, right? But just by getting out there, I think men particularly need to harden up and get in touch with their feelings. Yep. <laughs> like I'm not saying harden up and forget about their feelings. I mean harden up and realise that you're strong and any feeling that you have, you have the ability to handle. Yep. It's in you because you can handle it. Yep. It's in you and you need to feel it. You wish it away, you forget about it. It doesn't go away. You've got to experience it. The only way to really let something out of your body, feeling-wise, is by experiencing it. You can handle anything that's there when you can even like let it out in some kind of healthy way. And I actually think one of the healthiest ways men can handle something is by crying. Yep. That's such a cool thing the human body has to have this release. And I can guarantee you, I'll put my life on the fact if you cry, you'll begin to feel better. It's part of the processing that our body does. And like, there's this thing that men don't yeah. cry. Yeah. Okay, but one of the things is, so my karate trainer back in the day, who is still around today in the Frankston area, Billy Monet, the hardest man I've ever met. And he's a he's like he's a Terminator, yep. but he's, he's also like he was my father figure back in the day, uh, and you know, and still today I look up to him. So he he says men don't cry over physical pain. 
Yeah. You know what? I've, I'll attach myself to that one. Like if I fall over and break my arm, I don't want to cry. Yeah. I don't want to cry. Yeah. But, if I, <laughs> but if you do that, that's fine. That's fine. But, you know, when I was riding my bike, when I couldn't drive anymore, if I fell off my bike, I'm not going to cry. You know, I'm going to feel pain. I'm not going to cry. But when it comes to emotional pain, no. That's what he says is you can cry over emotional pain, but don't cry over physical pain. Because I think that's a learnt behaviour that we have early on is like when we hurt ourselves and we cry and we get our parents' attention. Yep. But maybe we learn the other thing too, that when we grew up more emotionally feeling something, like, don't cry over that. I don't think we maybe, maybe that's twisted. I, I try to teach my daughter, like, just because she's hurt herself doesn't mean she has to cry for too long. Yeah. If she needs to cry, cry. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. But just because you hurt yourself physically doesn't have to be an instance which I need to cry. Well, look, when you were saying that, I was thinking of, I can't even remember how long, this is probably 20, 30 years ago, <laughs> yeah. but I was sitting with friends or family or something and watching something really sad and I burst into tears. Yeah. And I remember a couple of the people in the room going to me, what are you crying for? <laughs> and I'm like, it's really sad. And they're like... Well, it's not that sad. And then I felt guilty that I was crying and I stopped crying. Yeah. And I wonder if those sort of things pave the way for our future yeah. that even though you see something really sad that makes you really want to cry, yeah. you just don't cry because people are going to make fun of you. Maybe. But, I mean, even with that, one of the things I feel extremely fortunate about when I'm working with teenage boys or girls, but I've, I noticed this benefit more significantly uh, for teenage boys when I'm working with them on a counselling session, not if I can get them to cry, but if I can ask them questions about certain things and ask about their life or whatever, you know, things that might have happened more recently or, or a while ago, if they can cry, I love that. It's such a such a beautiful thing. I've had a couple of times with different people where they're in my room and they're just sitting there on the couch crying. I'm like, just let it out, man. Yeah. It's it's all right. It's such a beautiful part of the process that we have as human beings. And don't wish it away. Doesn't mean you have to do it in your workplace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you have to, whatever, that's fine. But if you've got to do it, sit in your car on your own when you're in at home, whatever it is, it's part of the process. It will help you get over something. Yeah. But I guess if if you're continually doing it and you're not really getting anywhere. That would be another sign to me you need to speak to someone. But there's something really beautiful in the crying. I've gone through a lot of tough things in my life, not just with trauma and or, you know, vision impairments, that, that kind of stuff. Like I've done some really hard kickboxing fights in my life and I'm happy to say I've taken some tough hits and I'm happy to say now it's cool to cry. Yeah. It's cool to cry. Like I would never cry over getting hit in the ring and that kind of stuff or hurting myself. I never cried about – actually, no, I did. I did cry about losing my vision. Yeah. But not, it wasn't crying as in like why me, I've mentioned this too before. It was more about just sort of processing it, Yeah, just processing it. I was just going through it. It was a nice sunny afternoon. I got some bad news that my vision was going and they actually told me back in the day that I wasn't going to be able to see anything. And I started crying. But of course I was going to cry. Yeah. And it was just part of the process. So if people need to cry, like just do it. There's nothing to be ashamed about. No, not at all. And the other thing I was thinking before was like, particularly when it comes to, say, speaking to someone, whether it's a counsellor or a psychologist or whatever, for those that, say, aren't, and they're maybe, I don't know whether they're giving you a bit of stick or they're creating stigma, they're missing out. Yeah. If you're going out of your way to speak to someone in some form, coach, counsellor, whatever, you're, you're going to receive the benefits. If someone is actually going out of their way to do something, they should be congratulated. And, and those that are like giving people a bit of stick for reaching out to someone, they're missing out. Yeah. Like there's benefits in life that you can get from speaking to someone and those that aren't and they should be, well, they're missing out. I've just spoke a lot then. It's no, hard. no, it's good. Look, <laughs> what I reckon we do is when this podcast goes out in those two weeks afterwards, we both need to put three positive things about seeking 
uh, psychology or counselling, seeking help for mental health. We both need to do that so that we start the ball rolling, that it's acceptable, it's Mm -hmm. a strength. It's a real strength to go and talk to someone about how you're feeling because you're going to start changing your life in a more positive way. Mm. And and if your friends or anyone says to you, what are you doing that for? You just have to say, because I want to be stronger, Mm. I want to have a better life and I want to understand myself better. Yeah, for sure. Totally agree with that. 100%. So that's what we're going to do. So when you hear this podcast come out in the next couple of weeks afterwards, you'll see at least three a week for the next two weeks of us putting something positive out about seeking help and how strong you are and how great your life is going to be because you've done something for yourself mm. that you really want to do and you need to do. And it's a great step forward. Mm, totally agree. So I want to thank Jamie for joining me on Life Changes You and hopefully Jamie wants to thank me for joining him on his one. I do. I want to thank Dan for coming on the Mind Trading Podcast. So thank you, Dan. It's fantastic. Well, until we speak again, Jamie, thank you. Thanks, Dan. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that was another episode of Life Changes You. If you liked it, please share it with your friends and share on social media and subscribe. Remember, you can follow us on Instagram and watch live conversations on Wednesdays and get daily updates. You can also follow the YouTube channel and watch live conversations and listen to the podcast from there. Keep sending in your emails and messages as I love reading them and interacting with you, and I'll always respond to you. So until next week, take care of yourselves and each other.